0: Well, when is the last time that you've said to God, God, what do I do here? What should I do? God, I just want to know what you want. What is your will? You know, I admit yesterday I was saying that when we found out that we had to change plans today. God, what do you want us to do? How do we handle this? Every day we have decisions that we have to make. And some are small that don't really, they're not that, critical and others are bigger decisions like should I take this job should I change jobs should I retire when should I retire Um, should I marry this guy how many kids do we have and on and on I mean those are all some of those big decisions and so how do we know what the right decision is how do we know what God's will is as we make decisions And that is the challenge of this week is that we would be women who are rooted in God's will, that we are so connected with him that we're able to discern his leading, his direction, and so that we would be rooted in his will. But how do we do that? How do we know what God's will is as we're making all these decisions in life? Well, this morning I want to look at three things that we can do to help us discern God's will. Three things that can help us be rooted in his will. And so the first one is accept the perplexity. Bethany, are you okay back there? Okay. Uh, First is accept the perplexity. And by perplexity, I mean God's will, knowing his will is not simple. It is not just A, B, C, D. It is perplex. I wish it, well, it wasn't. Uh, there are times I have told God, and I even asked you this in your study. There are times I've told God, God, why can't you just give me a map? Why can't you just give me a blueprint and where you've spelled out all these steps that you want me to take? That would be so much easier. And I asked you in your lesson, why do you think God doesn't do that? And I think there's several reasons. One, I mean, if we saw what he had for us and what his, his little path for us was going to be and we didn't like it, we might run the other way and say, I'm having nothing to do with that. Or we'd worry ourselves to death and we'd stress if we knew, oh, gosh, this is going to happen. And then we'd we'd spend all this time worrying. I am so glad that I did not know when I was young some of the things that God had for me, like being single, because I would have probably married the wrong person to make that happen. So God does not show us a blueprint because He wants us to trust Him and to walk by faith, corner by corner, step by step. I can't see beyond the corner. I can see my life and what God has for me from here until next March. But I can't see what's around the corner. I mean, I have thoughts, but only God knows what's ahead. But he wants us to walk corner by corner, step by step, trusting him. But even as we know what the next, you know, what's happening now, we still are making decisions every day. And and we just need to understand the perplexity. God's will is like a coin with two sides. And one side is God's revealed will. Some would call this his moral will. And this is his will that's revealed to us in Scripture. You know, his will, (coughs) sorry, (coughs) is revealed to us his commands he starts in the old testament with the ten commandments are his will for us in the new testament we have teachings from paul from jesus from peter others this is god's revealed will this is his moral will it is spelled out for us and you looked at examples of that this week in your lesson what is god's will He wants you to be filled with the Spirit. He wants you to pray without ceasing. He wants you to be sanctified. He wants you to rejoice always and on and on. And even in places, it says, this is the will of God for you, that you be sanctified. This is God's will. Do we want to know his will? We look first at the Scripture. That's his revealed will. But then the question that comes up, and I've been asked this by a number of of women over the years, that's great, Cricket, but what about those decisions that are unique for me that aren't spelled out in Scripture? Like, do I marry this guy who's proposed to me? Do we, you know, adopt children? Do I move from this city to that? Do I sell my house? Do I downsize? God doesn't tell me that in his word. So how do I know what to do in those situations that he doesn't say, Cricket, you're going to marry John Doe. Well, he doesn't spell it out for us, but he gives us principles to live by and to help guide us. For instance, if I'm trying to decide about marrying somebody, first I need to look at is he a Christian? And is he a, a strong Christian who's going to spur me on? Those are principles. I mean, Paul said, do not be unequally yoked. A Christian, a, a believer with a non-believer. And that, there were times in my working in the secular field that I was asked to go out, you know, by a guy, a coworker. And I, I thought about it, but then I would always come back to, you know, if this would lead, and I'm attracted to him, this could lead to something else. Do I really, is that God's will? No, no. Um, or if somebody, you know, anyway, I won't go any further. But, so, God does give us principles. It's the same thing, we know that everything we're to do is to glorify God. So we ask, God, if I take this job, will this help me glorify you or will it put me in situations that might make me compromise? Or, you know, should I sell my house? Should I buy this house? Well, Lord, you tell me to be a good steward of my finances. Would this help me be a good steward or would it hurt my stewardship? Those are the, so he gives us principles in those areas that are not spelled out for us. And so the question I would just challenge, have you ask is, are you obeying his revealed will? That's the first thing. Because if we're not obeying his revealed will, chances are we very well may not even want to know uh, those things that we don't know that, that he wants. So we may not obey So that's one side of the coin, his revealed will, his moral will that's revealed in Scripture. But the other side of the coin, and this is where it gets perplexing, is his hidden will or his sovereign will. The things that we can't see, the things that are not spelled out that we don't know. His sovereign will is is whatever God decrees... To happen, It's going to happen. Regardless of the evil that's done in the world, regardless of what people around us do, he's sovereign. And he is always at work to accomplish his overall purpose. And there's two verses I always think of when I think of God's sovereign will. One's from Daniel 4, 35. And we're studying Daniel on Sunday mornings. But King Nebuchadnezzar said, God does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand. God's going to do his will, whether we cooperate or not. It will be done. Job 42.2, Job says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted we can't hinder God's sovereign will. So two questions that come up that I've been asked about this is one, can I mess up God's sovereign will by my choices? And the answer to that is no. We can disobey his revealed will, but we cannot mess up or change God's sovereign will he will accomplish what he desires even when we make wrong choices Uh, example of this is jonah god told jonah exactly what his will was jonah i want you to go to Nineveh and preach to them so that they will repent that was his will for jonah jonah said no but did jonah mess up god's sovereign will no Jonah ended up going and doing what God wanted. The people of Nineveh heard the gospel, the, the salvation. But Jonah made his life a little harder than he needed to. And God, but God still accomplished his overall purpose. Jonah couldn't thwart that. He just, like I said, made his life a little bit more miserable. A second question that comes up is, well, how can it be God's will for bad things to happen to good people? I mean, we saw that recently uh, last month with Eliza Fletcher. You know, I I, I even sat down and said, God, how can this happen? How, How can this be your will for somebody who loves you, who's serving you, be Murdered, kidnapped, and murdered. It's hard to understand. That's why God's will is perplexing because it doesn't always make sense through our perspective because we can't see God's perspective. And this is where we just have to, to go back to Romans eight twenty eight. God causes all things, good and bad, to work together for good. For those who love the Lord. God uses every circumstance to fulfill his sovereign purpose. That we can't see, that it's hidden. We don't know what God is doing, but someday we're going to be able to ask him if we haven't seen it already. God, why did you allow that to happen? And he's going to show us or tell us and we're going to go, wow. Wow. I had no idea that's what you were doing. It's his hidden will. We can't mess it up. Another example is Joseph. I mean, Joseph suffered at the hands of his brothers. They sold him into slavery. But God used that bad situation to put Joseph right where he needed him to deliver the people during the famine. God's sovereign will. You know, he even knew in Genesis fifty twenty. Joseph said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Joseph knew that God had a bigger plan, and he trusted God, which is a great example for us. And one other example of this is uh, God gave his only son to be crucified, on the cross, for something that he did not deserve. It doesn't make sense. Now, we can see his purpose in that. We know what his purpose was. But God understands what it's like to have to watch somebody you love go through something painful. But he's got an overall purpose. So God is absolutely sovereign over all things. We can't change it. Yes, we have a free will, but God is sovereign, and that's where it's perplexing because you have to kind of balance those two things. I can't totally explain it. But if we're going to be rooted in God's will, we have to accept the perplexity. That's the first thing we have to do. We have to accept the fact, God, I don't understand it all, but I I trust you in this. So then, that's the first thing we have to do. Second, we need to fulfill the prerequisites. You know, what's necessary on our part to be able to discern God's will as we're making decisions, especially when it's not written out in Scripture for us? Well, I think there's two prerequisites that are vital to discerning God's will and making wise decisions. One is a clean heart. We need to have no unconfessed sin as we're going to God and saying, what should I do? We need to have a clean heart. You know, David said in Psalm 139, 23 to 24, search me, O God, know my heart, try me, and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there be any hurtful way in me, and then lead me in the everlasting way. And I put the then in there for my own uh, emphasis. But David was saying, God, search me. Is there something I have not confessed? Okay, let's deal with it and then lead me on the path that you've got for me. If we have unconfessed sin that we've not taken to the Lord, we're not going to be able to discern what he's saying because we're not going to be able to be attentive to what he wants us to do because we've still got sin that's we're following that sin. So that's the first thing. If you're trying to make a decision, make sure your heart's clean. And second, a willing heart. Luke 22, 42. You're familiar with it. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane knowing that he was going to go die on the cross. And he was honest with the Father. If, there, if it's possible, take this cup from me. I mean, he obviously was thinking, I'd rather have another plan. But not my will. Yours be done. That's what we need. God, this is my desire. I would love to get this job or I would love to have this house or I'd love this position or whatever it is. But if it's not your will, I don't want it. I'm willing for whatever is your will. So we need a clean heart and a willing heart. Fulfill the prerequisites. And then we come to third, the third thing, and that's follow God's prompting. You know, once you've prepared your heart, you're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, how do you discern His will? and make a decision. And, you know, I'm going to give you some ways, some instruments that God uses to prompt us and guide us, but there's no particular order necessarily that you may go through these. And I gave you uh, worksheets this week for you to use as you're making different kinds of decisions, whether it's gray areas or whether it's just a decision that you're facing um, in life. First thing to follow God's prompting is that we need to be in prayer. Luke six twelve to 13, you looked at that this week. Jesus spent the entire night in prayer before he chose those 12 disciples. We need to start, I think that is the starting place, is prayer. After we've cleansed our heart, and even in prayer, God, show me if there's unconfessed sin. Second instrument, that he uses is his word. Psalm 119, 105, thy word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. We need to be in the word of God. And I'm not saying that you sit down and go, God, I need to know, do you want me to do this or that? So I'm going to open the Bible and I'm just going to, randomly turn to a page and put my finger on this verse and that is what your will is for me. Don't do that. That's not what this is talking about. You need to just be reading the word of God and whether it's there are times that I'm doing our lesson and something will jump out at me and I'll go, you know what? I think that you're telling me I need to be doing I need to do this. Let his word prompt you. But be attentive to it. A third um, way that God prompts us is through circumstances. You know, in Romans 1.13, Paul told the Romans, I have often planned to come to you, and I have been prevented so far. You know, Paul's telling them, hey, I wanted to come see you. But circumstances have prevented me from coming, so it's not God's will for me to come right now. I think we've all seen circumstances direct us whether to go somewhere or not or to do something. I, um, I remember when I was trying to decide whether to go to seminary, I was working in the hospital, and I was asking, God, do you want me to go to seminary or not? And I decided to step out, move in that direction, got accepted, Even started class, and I met, it was like my second week, and I met with Sue Edwards, who was the dean of women, for my entry interview. But I told her, I said, well, this is my entry interview, but it's, I think, my exit interview also, because it was just not going to work out at the hospital. For me, I mean, I work in surgery. You can't schedule surgery eight to five. And sometimes you have too many cases, and I couldn't always be available to go to seminary. When my classes were going on, it just wasn't going to work out. And I thought, so I told Sue, I said, Sue, uh, I think I'm going to have to drop out. I think that's God's will. And she challenged me. And she said, Do you believe God wants you to go back into full time ministry? Yes, I do. Do you believe seminary is going to equip you to do that? Yes. And she said, well, then, I think you need to consider other options uh, for how to stay here. And she actually recommended that I sell my house, put it on the market, quit my job, and live off the money from my house, move into some back house. And I prayed about it, and I said, okay, God, I'm willing to do that. And I did. I put my house on the market. I was ready to quit my job. And it was only on the market about two weeks, and a coworker from another group in town called me and said, Cricket, I hear you're wanting to go to seminary. I want a job share. Is there somebody, I mean, would you be willing to job share with me to where we could work? Like if you need Tuesday mornings off, I'd cover Tuesday mornings. But I need Thursday afternoons off. Would you cover Thursday afternoons? So I took the for sale sign out of my yard first, and then circumstances are God's way. But you know what? We still have to step out and and be willing, and let God lead. So circumstances lead us. Uh, God uses fourth godly counselors. Proverbs twelve fifteen. He says, "A wise man is he who listens to counsel," and that doesn't mean that you go to just anybody for counsel on decisions. Howard Hendricks told us in seminary, uh, go to two kinds of experts. I want to make sure I get this right. He said, go to two types of experts for counsel. One is an expert on you. Somebody who knows you well. Well, Cricket, I know you do not like a lot of stress. You don't like the adrenaline rush. In the emergency room, that would not be a good fit, you know, or whatever. But somebody who knows you. But then another expert you want to go to is somebody who is an expert on the situation you're trying to decide on. Like when I was trying to decide to go to seminary, I went to people who were in seminary or people who taught in seminary. Or who had, you know, I, I, I tried to find an expert on the situation that I was trying to make a decision about. But that Hendricks says, those are the two experts you need to go to for godly counsel. An expert on you and an expert on the situation. And then a fifth instrument that he uses to guide us is that sound mind, that logical thinking. Uh, 2 Timothy 1.7 says that God has given us a spirit of sound judgment, a sound mind. Use it. We can think logically, pros and cons. I gave you a a worksheet to go through, and on that worksheet there were a section that you would write down the pros and the cons and think it through logically. When I came up here to interview, and I was flying back to Dallas trying to decide what to do, I pulled out a sheet of paper and I wrote down, these are the pros of taking this job, but these are the cons. And as I did that, I realized the pros were this long and the cons were about this long. And I thought, okay, that's telling me that there's a lot of reasons to take this job. Use your mind. Think it through logically. Can I feasibly do this? I mean, just... Use your sound mind. And then six, and this isn't necessarily an instrument. It's more of something you just need to do. Step out. Make a decision and ask God, God, I feel you're leading me this way. Either confirm or redirect. And there are times that God... Redirects, like in the situation with my job in seminary. Sometimes he confirms that you're going in the right way. And I've heard it said, you can't steer a parked car. And so God needs us sometimes to step out so that he can say, well, nope, I don't want you to go that direction. But he has always done that, confirmed or redirected. You know, what part do our desires play? And we have to be careful there. But if you're walking in the Spirit, if you're surrendered to Him, if you've confessed your sins, and you're growing with Him, then your desires should line up with His desires. And I know on crusade staff, they'd say, Is this true? Is this true? Are you doing this? Then follow the desire of your heart. Now, if you're not walking with the Lord, don't follow the desire of your heart. But let your desires also, I mean, let that be a part of it. Um, You know, Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord. Do that first. Then he'll give you the desires of your heart because your desires will line up with his desires. So then there's a question that comes up here. And I've had a number of women ask me this. What if I have missed God's will? What if I made a mistake? I've had women come to me, Dallas, even here in Memphis. Cricket, I think I married the wrong guy. I think I made a mistake. And there are some people I've said, I think you made a mistake too. I mean, this—you'd have to know the situation that I could say that to her. Um, this was in Dallas. We tried to keep her from making this mistake but she wanted to be married so badly that she did. However, we can't mess up God's sovereign will. He is still going to accomplish his purpose. And I've shared this with y'all before. Uh, When I made the decision, when I was living in East Asia, and I made that decision to leave staff with crew, to come back to the U.S., to go to school in Houston to get a medical degree running the heart-lung machine, which I knew nothing about, so that I could go back to East Asia and work there and do ministry. I prayed about it. I listed the pros and cons. I talked to godly people, and I made the decision to step away and do this. But that has been the one area in my life that I've second guessed for years. Oh, God, what if I made a mistake? What would my life look like if I had stayed on staff with crew? Where would I be today? Would I be married? Would I be living here? Would I have kids? Did I make a mistake, God? And, I, I, and I've shared this with uh, some of y'all before, too, that I shared this with my women's director in Dallas that I think I made a mistake. Kay, I should have never... Because perfusion was never easy for me that season. And I thought, I should have never done it. But Kay, my women's director in Dallas, <laughs> got up, came over, and took me by the shoulders and shook me very gently and said, Cricket, God is is sovereign. Let it go. And I did. I just said, God, whether... And she said, whether it was God's... If that was his plan A for you or plan B, not that there is a plan A or plan B. I shouldn't say that. But God is still sovereign. And he's got you where he wants you today. Trust him. Let it go. Don't second guess that decision. And if you're in this room and you're second-guessing something you made a decision about, let it go. God is sovereign. And he used that time in my life to, I've said this before to y'all, to toughen me up for women's ministry. (laughs) Because surgeons are cruel and they are harsh. And I was very gentle and meek and just sweet and all of a sudden I thought gosh I had to toughen up and that was what I needed to be able to handle women's ministry so (laughs) (laughs) all right so God is faithful to accomplish his purpose regardless of what we do he is still sovereign and his sovereign will will be done to be rooted in his will, we need to accept the perplexity, fulfill the prerequisites, and follow God's prompting. I want to close with just one more little story about how God worked in my life. Um, when I was on staff with the crew, I decided I really wanted to go to a country in East Asia, it, but it was closed. But I'd called crew staff and said, you know... I would love to go here if it ever opens up, and it was closed, and so I thought, okay, I' put it out there and then a year later they called and they said, "Well, the country's still closed, but there's another country that we'd like you to go to and be the head of the women 's ministry uh, they're training women leaders. Would you be willing and I prayed about it, and I thought i'm not excited about it uh, but you know, it, it could be a stepping stone to where I want to be. And I said yes. And so I was going through the three-month training in California before you go overseas. And I was supposed to go to the Philippines for three months after that before I went to the country. And um, I don't know. I just never had a peace. It never seemed right. And... Time came to fly out. And some of you have heard this story or read it years ago, but it was time to fly out of L.A. to the Philippines. And one of our uh, classes in my training there in L.A., uh, Sally Klingman said, if you are not certain that this is God's will, do not get on that plane. Because when life is going to get hard over there, and you're going to question and think, I want to go home. You won't because you're going to go back to knowing. But God, I know this is your will for me to be here. And so she said, do not get on that plane. And I'm standing in the L.A. airport. Uh, this was back before COVID, a long time before COVID, where friends could actually come in and walk to the gate with you. And they dropped me off, parked the car, and I'm in line checking in. They were going to come in, and a lady tugged on my arm and said, ma'am, you just got robbed. And I went, no, I'm fine. Everything's fine. And I looked and somebody had unzipped my purse, taken my wallet. Um, and the whole time I was standing in line, I kept thinking of Sally's words, do not get on that plane if you're not sure it's God's will. And I, I kept having this conversation of, I have to get on that plane. It's too late. I've got tickets. I've got people waiting for me in Manila. I, I can't. I've got to get on that plane, but God intervened, <laughs> and I did not go. I, I did not get on the flight that night and told my boss the next day what happened, and I, I'm not sure he was thrilled, but um, he said, well, we'll just leave you in L.A. until we know what to do with you, <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then I bet it was, I don't know, six months later, he called and said, well, that country you wanted to go to is open. Do you want to go? Yes! God's will. We can't mess it up. We can't miss it. We We need to be attentive, and we need to be willing. And even if God has to have you get robbed by somebody in the L.A. airport, he can stop you. If he needs to. So. I, I pray that we would be rooted in his will. Let's pray. Father thank you so much. That you're sovereign. And you know exactly what you're doing. We know part of your will. Because it's in your word. But Lord the part that we can't see. Protect us from making wrong turns. Guide us Lord. Keep us attentive. And sensitive to your promptings. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.